Good morning, good morning, and good morning, and welcome to yet another episode of Poppin' Off Fulfilled, the podcast. I am recording today from a set location, um, home. So I don't have my normal traffic and or weather banter because I haven't felt the weather and I haven't seen the traffic. <laughs> um, but I didn't want to not record. Uh, I want to talk today about my most recent experience in Andalusia and Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Um, those places, though very small, at least Andalusia, I think some people have at least heard of Tuscaloosa, um, are the birth places of my paternal grandmother and grandfather, respectively. Um, we went to, by we, I mean, my dad and my brothers went to Andalusia to participate in a, a Bible Jeopardy that was put on by my my great aunt, Teeny, Pauline Cooper, uh, she started a scholarship program about 10 years ago um, called the Pauline Teeny Cooper Mini Shakespeare uh, Scholarship Travelganza. So pretty much members of our family and other uh, friends of the family's children travel out to Los Angeles for a week. Um, they do different activities in the Los Angeles area. Sometimes they travel to uh, neighboring states to do other things. Um, and she gives them money towards college, scholarship money towards college. So this year being the 10th anniversary, she wanted to do it big. And anybody who knows my aunt Tini knows that she's a, uh, do it big or don't do it at all type of person. So this year, uh, she did a Bible Jeopardy game and there were prizes. The grand prize was a brand new car, a Nissan Versa, the second place prize was a trip to Africa, all expense paid. And the third place prize was $5,000. Now, I did not place, but when one Holly man wins, we all win. And so my middle brother won the $5,000, which is awesome. Um, a cousin of mine won the car and a family friend, uh, someone who attends my Aunt Minnie's church in Andalusia won the trip to Africa. So it was great. Had a lot of fun, got an opportunity to um, bear witness to the celebration of one of the remaining Tuskegee Airmen, Reverend uh, James Jimmy Jones. He um, lives in North Carolina area, but he did come this past weekend to participate in the festivities. Um, he is one of, based on his conversation, one of the remaining one of the remaining 300 Tuskegee Airmen. Um, and uh, he, he imparted some great words of wisdom, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. This episode is called Family Matters. Um, in an earlier podcast, I talked a little bit about reclaiming our narrative as people of color. And I think an important part of reclaiming our narrative is really becoming in tune with our family histories. I think that if more of us understood the who, what, when, where, and how we've gotten to where we are today as not just as people, but our families, we would have a greater appreciation for the struggle, which is our struggle. Um, I don't think we would take as much for granted if we knew how oppressive uh, and, 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 and limited the lives of our ancestors were just because of the color of their skin, just because of where they were located, 
in terms of geography and just because of the time frame in which they were born. Um, I've always been a huge history buff, especially African-American history and really family history. I think it's really interesting because we really do come from a great, a great lineage, but most of us have no idea what it is. And, and so I took and took the opportunity to sit down with my, my aunt Minnie. So my aunt Minnie Shakespeare is the eldest child of Gussie Powell Lee and C.D. Lee, which are my great grandparents on the paternal side. Um, she was my was my grandmother's oldest sister because my grandmother is deceased and she's still kicking. She's 93 years and seven months. She corrected me. She's 93 and seven months or she will be on the 22nd of this month. And, I, you know, I just I just wanted to take some time to just kind of sit down with her and and, and kind of figure out, you know, how she's gotten to where she's gotten um, in life. You know, what she thought about certain things. And she imparted so many jewels uh, in just a short period of time. I actually took a moment to record her, you know, just her musings of how she felt about different things. So I kind of labeled them, you know, many on life, many on Trump, um, you know, and just, you know, just really just trying to get her impression of things. Um, And I shared them with her, her grandson, who, uh, of course, is my cousin. And he suggested that I kind of talk about my experience in Alabama. And so here is where we are. So first, like I said, you know why I went to Alabama? We went to Andalusia first, which is where my grandmother is from. Um, We got an opportunity to hear excellent words from a Tuskegee Airman. And he talked a lot about, you know, how things have changed, but there are some things that are still alive today that keep us down. Um, and, and faith is what he's, he's, he's held on to. There's a lot of times where he said he wanted to speak up and speak out, but he valued his life over being heard. And so he, he walked and lived humbly, but always keeping God first. And I just, he was, very emotional about the place that he he's in now and still being here and still being able to 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 be honored and celebrated and to impart wisdom where he can and and that was really moving uh I shared it on my Facebook page made it public so other people can share it because you know he is one of few um who was around at a time where where things were significantly difficult for us and he's made it and he's made it many many years and you know has been able to you know impart that wisdom to other people and change other people's lives and so it was great to hear from him we he like I said he was honored um, by the governor of Georgia he was honored with a proclamation from Congresswoman Maxine Waters out in LA which is where my aunt Pauline lives um, they draped him. Let me tell you, they draped him. Uh, but it was, it was great to see him and he was happy and he was pleasant and, um, and very willing to share his thoughts 
and about life and, and how to make it in this life. And um, so we, we, we did that. We did the Bible, the Bible Bowl, the, the Bible Jeopardy game. And then I got an opportunity to hang out with um, my cousin Hannah. Her church was having a church picnic. Got an opportunity to, to see and meet or reintroduce myself to some of my cousins. Um, my dad's first cousin. So it was great for him to get that opportunity to, to see them. I met cousins of, uh, or their children who, whom I had never met before. And, you know, that was awesome. So I posted a picture and in that picture, there are, um, in that picture, there are three sisters, one, two, three, my grandmother, Aunt Minnie, Aunt Mary. Oh, sorry. I'm Pauline, four sisters of the 10 children that were represented. And we all got an opportunity to meet and and reacquaint ourselves with one another. I mean, it was just, it was cool. I mean, we played shot around basketballs, threw footballs, played cards, ate some really great barbecue. Um, But the highlight of that particular time was really getting an opportunity to sit down with my aunt Minnie and just kind of talk to her. Um, I think one of the things that stuck out the the most <laughs> for me was her her thoughts about Trump. And so I asked her, I said, you know, does he scare you? And she was like, no, she was like, that's Bible. You know, it's, you know, many kings have have been in positions where they have used their power to be oppressive, but they all fall. And she said, you know, instead of hating him and and disliking him, we really should be praying for him. Um, she mentioned that a lot of people my age, younger generations, don't really know struggle and oppression. And so our thought process is this is the worst that it's ever been. She was like, but let me tell you, it certainly is not. You know, for many, many years, people of color were not treated or compensated fairly for their work and their services. And so none of this is new under, under the sun. She said everything that's, that has been or that is now has been. And, um, you know, you just have to continue to do your part. And I think part of doing our part is really connecting with our elders and having those conversations. Um, there's a lot of history there. She remembers a lot. Let me tell you, my Aunt Minnie is one sharp lady. To be 93 and seven months, um, you know, that mind is sharp. Her memory is sharp. She doesn't forget anything. You know, obviously, some things are confused from time to time. It's like, oh, I say this and I really mean this, or I call this name and I really mean this name. But she knows her stuff. Um, and it's not just her family stuff. She knows the Bible. Uh she's she's she knows what's going on in the world she's current she's up to date um it was really just a pleasure having that time with her because for me my grandmother her younger sister one of her younger sisters passed away almost 25 years ago so i was eight at the time um was i eight i was eight I was eight when my when my grandmother passed away, and so there's a lot that I don't remember about her, and obviously a lot of family history things that I would have been able to 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 glean from her, I wasn't able to. So to have an opportunity to sit down with my aunt Minnie and hear about her childhood and 
you know, being a mom and, and, and raising kids and, you know, you know, just her thought process about how being a parent, you know, you have a responsibility, you know, and and whether you raise a, a president or a mass murderer, it's still your kid. And you still have a, an obligation to love that person, love that kid. And 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 no matter what they do or don't do, or whatever, no matter what they accomplish or don't accomplish in this life, they're still yours. And there's still a responsibility that you have to them, you know. Um, you know, a lot of people don't think that way. A lot of people don't have that same thought process. And so I look at her as as an example because. 93 years and seven months is is no small feat. Now, she did say that she was fortunate that she hasn't had to deal with any diseases and she doesn't have a lot of ailments. Um, But she also told me that a lot of that comes from, you know, how we take care of ourselves and what you eat. So, you know, I got some wisdom now. So I'm going to be a little bit more cognizant of the things that I'm putting into my body, because if if I can just make it to. 63 and seven months i'll be happy Um, but 93 and seven months is is amazing especially to be in sound mind um so i I took some time with her then me and my dad um and my brothers traveled to tuscaloosa which is where my grandfather is from much bigger town than andalusia (laughs) um and and spend some time with my grandfather's family and it was the same thing. I didn't necessarily get an opportunity to sit down with an elder. Unfortunately, on my grandfather's side of the family, when he passed away in 2008, he was the last living sibling. Um, but my cousin Rosalind uh, has done a pretty good job of preserving things that she's received uh, over the years, being that she's still in Tuscaloosa and, you know, was more connected with my great aunts and great uncles. She did inherit some things, pictures and, and photo albums, and she's been doing some work to kind of uncover things. So it was good talking to her and looking at pictures and seeing pictures of my grandfather as a little boy and, you know, learning about his parents and his siblings. Cause unfortunately I never met any of his brothers, just two of his sisters. And so just talking to her and having that conversation, it really just put things in perspective. Um, my, my father is on this, this kick where the second generation should plan the next family reunion. So I've, I've been charged to, to get something together for both the Holly side of the family, as well as the Lee side of the family. Um, so stay tuned for all of those exciting to come type things. <laughs> Cause I have no idea how it's going to work. Um, but it was good to connect and exchange numbers and exchange social media um, so that we can kind of move forward. And, you know, it's weird when you have, you know, I grew up only knowing who I knew. Um, I had a, a great aunt who lived in Detroit. And so I'm pretty close to those cousins because we we did holidays together. Um, but to become an adult and realize that you have a host of other cousins that are your age and doing similar things and and having similar walks of life and similar struggles is it's pretty cool you know it's just sometimes it's hard because once people become adults you know you know expanding their circles is an interesting process um but I'm willing if they're willing 
to, you know, get to know each other and, and hang out and travel together and, you know, be cool, you know, support each other in our individual endeavors, um, which, you know, I'm trying. I have a cousin out in California, Evolve, who just wrote a book, which I just purchased, a book of poetry. Um, my cousin Nicholas, who um, lives in Florida, has a nonprofit organization that, that he does different things. He's in, he's in, in the law field. So, you know, he's an attorney, actually, but, you know, he does other things outside of his regular nine to five um, in, in terms of just trying to help people out. So, I mean, it's so, so many opportunities for us to connect and support one another and possibly help other people. Um, and so I, d- I definitely want to take advantage of that. Um, so a little bit about uh, Alabama culture, because I'm not. First of all, before I get to Alabama culture, it was so hot. (laughs) It was so hot and humid and sticky and wet. It was like literally you walk outside and your breath is snatched from your body. Um, Andalusia is such a small town. It literally is a situation where you can walk around and, 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 and pretty much hit everything. But it's 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 weird because. Like it's so. It's, it's so it was so much land like, you, you know, you're driving through the town and you're like, my goodness, look at these large homes and, and all this land. And then you get into areas where things get significantly smaller. <laughs> um, and. It was just interesting. It was interesting because I was around family most of the time. I really didn't. We really didn't interact with other. Alabamians, uh, we mostly just interacted with family, but. You can you can kind of tell that it's a really small town, small, small life way of living. You know, people, they go to work, they come home, they have whatever extracurricular activities. It's most mostly people seem to be in terms of my family really involved in church. Um, Education is a pretty big thing in my family. So, you know, people are involved in education. and as far as social activities, it seems that people are involved, you know, in their sororities and fraternities. And that's pretty much it. That's pretty much people's way of life. It's it's drastically different from Detroit, where I'm from, and Atlanta, where I currently live, in terms of just like pace, because it is really just laid back and slow. <laughs> um, I, I can say that it's it's a more hospitable place than Georgia is and then Atlanta is in terms of that whole concept of Southern hospitality. Um, the, the interaction that I did have with people, people were, were kind and considerate and courteous. Um, but, uh, definitely not a place I think I could live. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Um, and then when you compare Andalusia to Tuscaloosa, you know, Tuscaloosa seems like a, a a, a metropolis in compared to Andalusia in terms of like space and you know obviously I didn't spend a great deal of time like exploring either city but you know just the way that things look you know traffic lights versus not traffic lights dirt roads versus not dirt roads um you know a a lot of places to you know a lot of a a lot of scenery and a lot of things to see (laughs) What, you know, there was a big difference between Andalusia and Tuscaloosa. I'll tell you one thing, football is definitely king 
in Alabama. And so the, the football fields are, are beautiful. <laughs> I mean, the high school football fields are, are beautiful. And, and so that was the big thing that you could see there. Like they invest a lot of time and energy in that. Um, cause obviously on our way to Tuscaloosa, you know, you drive through, um, through Montgomery, which brings me to, uh, another part of my trip. We got an opportunity to, to stop at, uh, I call it the lynching memorial. I guess there's a more formal name than that, but I call it the lynching memorial. It's an entire museum, um, called the National Memorial for Peace and, I believe, Justice. Yeah, the National Memorial for Peace and Justice. And then part of the museum is the National Lynching Memorial. So we didn't get an opportunity because of time. We were literally in transit. So from Andalusia to Tuscaloosa, we stopped in Montgomery to... uh, to to take in the the lynching memorial we only did the memorial we didn't do the museum um and the way that they have the memorial designed is based on the southern states that you know obviously where lynchings were recorded um it's by state and then by county and it kind of just goes in this spiral uh and then if you go towards the back they have all of the uh, I guess I want to call them the pieces that they hang because that's the whole concept. They, they're they literally hanging from the ceiling to kind of give you the effect. Um, and they have the county and then they have the names of the individuals and the and and I believe the, the, the dates in which they were lynched. Um, and then, of course, there are a considerable amount of unknowns. And then along the side, they have stories of those individuals who were lynched. So it will say, you know, this particular person was lynched after being acquitted of murder. This particular person was lynched because they uh, they disrespected a white man or white woman in public. This particular person was lynched because they were found guilty of a petty theft or whatever the case is. They're different stories. Um, I really took my time walking through. I didn't want to rush. I spent some time taking pictures specifically of, 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 of Georgia counties, um, particularly counties that I see every day, the county in which I live in, DeKalb, um, the county in which I went to school in, Fulton, uh, the county in, in, in which I drive through and which most people have, most people of color have the most issues with, which is Cobb. Um, and, you know, there were lynchings that were, you know, as, as recent as the 80s happening. And it's just like, wow. You know, it really puts things in perspective when you can see that, that type of behavior at play. And it was very humbling for me. Um, emotionally, I couldn't, find I couldn't put my finger on how I felt um in terms of whether I was saddened or angry like you know like I I didn't walk out of there pissed um I really think I walked away from the from the whole experience just grateful and thankful that I a person of color um have had the opportunity to 
not only attend and obtain an undergraduate degree, but a graduate level degree, one from Morehouse College, one from Drexel University, um, and never really had to deal with what these people have dealt with, you know? Um, I, I literally am the promise of a better life. Like those people lost their lives just living their lives. And because of that, I'm here, you know, I'm a product of that. But I did wonder a little bit about, you know, what could these individuals, you know, who who could they have become given the opportunity? You know, how many how many preachers, teachers, doctors, nurses, lawyers, educators, um, uh, mayors, councilmen and women, politicians, entertainers, performers, like how many lives, how many dreams were, were snuffed out um, based on the individuals that were the names, the, 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 the reimaginings, the representatives that I saw, how, how many of those dreams were dashed? How many more patents could have been secured? How many more songs could have been written? Poems could have been written? Like who, who were these people? What were their stories? Um, some of them were in life. So how many, you know, how many people here had arrived to a certain space and how many people were not given the opportunity? And so I think that's what, what, what the spirit of, of just gratefulness and thankfulness kind of just washed over me um, because even before me, this could have very well been any one of my grandparents growing up in Alabama um, and, and being born and raised in the 20s and 30s in Alabama, you know, before before we had any rights, you know. And just the thought process that, you know, the lynchings were the response to white people not wanting to allow black people the freedoms that they deserved as citizens because they didn't want them to be treated as equals. They wanted them to be remained as property. And so lynching became popular because of that. And then even though we've gotten away in, in, in large part, of the physical lynching in terms of choking someone's dream physically, ending their lives physically. The lynchings that still occur, but in a, uh, not necessarily in a physical way, in terms of mass incarceration, in terms of, um, in terms of all of the challenges that we as people of color are faced with, just to 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 get an equal shake in life, you know the fact that that we have to have something like affirmative action and before affirmative action um you know the amount of people who didn't get a fair shot at certain things, I being in Georgia, and I think I've said this before, know several women, particularly not as many men, but definitely several women who attended Spelman College or Clark Atlanta University or Morris Brown College for undergrad and wanted to attend graduate school here in Georgia at either Georgia State or Georgia Tech or University of Georgia and were actually paid by the state um, or their tuition at 
excuse me, northern universities such as Columbia and NYU and and uh, and and other other institutions in that particular area where they were they paid their tuition because they weren't in the place where they were willing and able to integrate Georgia institutions like. So, I mean, you know, even though lynching in the sense of physically hanging someone has has decreased significantly because it's not necessarily a dead deal. Um, you know, uh, the tar and feather and not just lynching in the sense of hanging somebody, but the tar and feathering of people, the, the setting people on fire, you know, all of the different ways, dragging people, all of the different ways we were killed and our dreams were choked, um, even though they may not be happening in large scale the way that they were then in terms of like physically ending someone li- someone's life, all of the things that are being done to in their lives in other ways, you know, just the systems that are put in place, the political, the socio-political systems, the socio-economic systems, um, all, all of these things that are systemic, that people of, of, that are not black or, or, or of color, um, fail to give credence to, fail to recognize are oppressive. And so it was, it was an interesting space to be in. I obviously took way more time than my brothers and my father. My father kind of breezed through. I don't, you know, I don't even know if my brothers understand the, the, the intensity of it all, you know, being that they are so far removed from those ideas. You know, they went to Michigan State. They've lived in the suburbs of, of Detroit. You know, I don't know what their stories of oppression and, and, and racism, if they've encountered situations like that. So I don't even know if this hit them the way that it hit me. And even though I'm removed, having gone to an HBCU, particularly Morehouse, where, you know, there was so many uh, civil rights leaders here in the Atlanta area and there was so much going on, you know, where, where my campus was the centerpiece of things um, or the birthplace of things. Like my thought process is just a little different. And so it's just, it was just an interesting, an interesting space and perspective to be in. I mean, I guess it led to another conversation because me and my brother talked a little bit about, he asked me if I, had I seen the documentary on the, the Morehouse student, uh, Tiago, who is white and what my thoughts were about that. And, you know, I, I basically said that which I also believe that I've said before, um, that whole concept of just, you know, what privilege does in terms of, it it, it says that I have the right to be included in everything that I want to be included in and how I feel like the things that that African-Americans have started and created were because we lived a life where we were excluded and so we created our own shit so that we didn't have to deal with that and how white people feel entitled to things that we also created like it's not enough to have what they have but they also want a piece of what we have and how there's this guilt complex on our parts where we feel like it's important for us to be inclusive and 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 how how I think that isn't beneficial for either sides of the fence 
And I'm not necessarily saying I'm not in the place of my grandfather or even Reverend Jones where they talk about segregation and how and how, you know, segregation in some respects might have been better because integration created all of these issues or the process of integrating created all these issues. But, you know, you know, you even think about the stories of the small towns where black people were there and, and, and set up and build and they weren't integrated. They were segregated and they had their little area and how people didn't even want to see that particular aspect of things thrive. So even in a situation where where people of color remain segregated and try to build lives for themselves and their and their families separate from white people so that there weren't any issues, white people still felt a need to destroy what they had. And you see that in, um, you know, in, in towns that were burned and people that were lynched in those towns, as well as, you know, other black neighborhoods <clears throat> in prominent cities that were burnt down or, 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 or people were, you know, beaten because they were living a good life separate from everybody else. Um, so I don't want to ramble on. I really just wanted to kind of share a little bit of what I experienced this weekend. Um, thank you to Jermaine who suggested that I talked about this. Um, And I, I, I just I just want to leave you with the thought that it's important for us to really take the time to listen to the elders of our family. You know, black people, because we can't count or trust that our stories are going to be recorded properly um, or traditions is is how we pass information down from generation to generation is how we keep things safe and sacred. And so. If you are fortunate to still have a grandparent or a great parent, great grandparent that's still alive, a great aunt, a great uncle, um, even an older cousin, you know, somebody, whoever the matriarch or patriarchs of your family are, if you get an opportunity to sit down with them and just, you know, just begin to to have them recollect things of their their past, their childhood, their upbringing, and you begin to record those things, I think that we would all have a greater appreciation of who we are and what we come from because we come from excellent stock, not good stock, excellent stock. But it also would probably spark in you uh, this vigor to want to figure it out. And I think that a lot of these Ancestry.coms and these, you know, the, these swabs and different things finding about your African culture is, is amazing. Where you, where you descend from, if you're Nigerian or Ethiopian or Eurethian, I think all of those are great Um uh, however, you know, we're, we're, we're extremely disconnected from, from our African heritage, whether it be West or East, Western or Eastern Africa. Um, we're, re- we're really disconnected from that. Um, if we have an opportunity to figure out what happened after we were brought here and, and how we were able to survive throughout those things, I, I think that's a good place to to start having a conversation, record those things, um, sit down with, with your elders. And if they have pictures, try to get those things labeled and, and dated 
and and you know and 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 have the locale recorded you know where was this picture taken when was this picture taken and who's in the picture because long after that particular person has gone on you know those things become artifacts that people are disinterested in and and there's probably great treasures uh about your family and and who you are um you know you know the what illnesses have plagued your family, what what demons have plagued your family. Um, you know, those are things that are important to know because we raise children and raise our families not not being connected and not knowing these things and wondering why, you know, why are we dealing with cancer? Why are we dealing with blood disease? Why are we dealing with heart disease? Why are we dealing with aneurysms? Why are we dealing with, with uh, you know, mental retardation? What What, what happened? And, and some of those answers can be found with depression, uh, with, with, you know, schizophrenia and, and bipolar disorder and uh, uh, dissociative identity disorder. A lot of these answers can be found within our family histories and uh, puts us in a position where we can better, uh, better prepare ourselves for the future. So. I'm going to let you go. I have held you very long today, much longer than I, I like to. This is definitely not a micro content podcast, but um, I hope that, you know, you were able to gain something from it. And I look forward to speaking to you guys next week. Peace.